0: There was there was a, a moment a couple of weeks ago, which got me, which have impacted me and got me thinking. Uh, and quite often these moments, the sermons that come out of these moments. But it was about my son Daniel, who's sitting at the back there. Sorry, Daniel, I didn't got you didn't get your permission before I <laughs> before I was going to tell this story, but um, that Daniel. Uh, Daniel was asking me, "Uh, Dad, can you play chess with me? Because he's really big into chess at the moment, he's getting better. I mean, my nervousness is that he's, going to, he's already beaten me once already. He's going to beat me again. And uh, it was easy to beat him, but as he's getting better and better, and he says, Dad, can you play chess with me again? Dad, can you play chess with me again? And I was going, th- I was going through a lot of work. I, was, I mean, like as a pastor, you're working in the morning, you're working in the afternoon, but most people who work during the day can't see you until the evening. So you're also out in the evenings uh, as well. And so... Um, I, I came in from work one day and I, I had just finished in the office about quarter to six and I knew I had another meeting at 7.30 back into the church again. So I got in and I just put my bag down and uh, I said to Sarah, it'll just be a quick snack and I'm going to be out the door again. And um, and Daniel came up, not aware that I was going to go out that evening, and says, Dad, will you play chess with me? Will you, can, can we do it tonight and play chess? And I just rubbed his head, you know, with his hair, and I says, sorry, Dan, you can't do it tonight. I'm out again tonight. I've got an, another meeting, and, uh, and he, he looked at me, and he went, and you can see the disappointment in his face. And then he looked at me, and he says, Dad, can I, can I book uh, uh, an appointment in your diary as well? And he had heard Sarah, I think it was that morning, wasn't it, Sarah? That, that morning, because Sarah has access to my diary because we're, we're looking at viewings for houses and trying to get these viewings in for houses. And so Sarah just said that morning to me as I was running out the door, oh, by the way, I've just put another viewing, another appointment in your diary, uh, Ian. And he had heard that. And he, heard, he hears other people saying the same thing. And so he says, Daddy, can I get an appointment in your diary? And he it was a, it, it, I mean, I can laugh at it now, but at the time it was like, boom, what happened there? What am I doing? What's going on here that my son thinks that he has to make an appointment in the diary? And I says, Daniel, we're going to have a game of chess. And we're still, still doing that chess game now, right now. We're still in the process of it. It's taking so long. But as I went out a couple of evenings later and I went for a walk and I was just saying to the Lord, you know, I've got to get my priorities right. There's some key things in my life I've got to get my priorities right in it wouldn't it be a, you know, in five years' time or eight years' time, and we look back and we see God has moved in this church, and wouldn't that be wonderful? and so many people get saved and discipled and they're deployed in ministry and creed is really working. We're reaching people, we're establishing people, we're equipping people, we're deploying people into ministry. There's a sense of momentum and growth and development. And, and yet my own son feels like he still needs to make an appointment to get his dad. I've done something wrong. And as I went out for that walk that night, and I said, Lord, I've got to get get some priorities right. I just felt on the inside of me, that still quiet voice, just say to me, Ian, sometimes I feel like that about you too. You're so busy doing for me that you haven't got the time just to spend time with To be with me. Time spent with me, Ian. Time spent in my word. Time spent just being with me. And he says, Ian, if you put me first, continue to put me first. That's the very core of being a disciple. Putting me first. And if you put me and my kingdom first, all these other things that you're trying to achieve will be added on to you. And that's what I want to speak a little bit about um, this evening, because we, uh, we're just finishing off this series called Equip, and I just want to take some of the loose ends and the loose Uh, strings and just bring some thoughts together. But we might be concluding this series, but we're not concluding on equip, are we? We're not ending equip. This is just the start. The whole of 2023 has been about establishing this creed vision in in the life of this church. It's one word. Our vision is one word. If someone comes in here and says, what's your church all about? It's one word. We live by a creed. It's creed, but it's a bit of a cheat because all five letters mean something. Celebrate. We're here to celebrate his goodness and his greatness in our life. We're here and we're designed and we're hotwired to worship him. And that's where we find our place of significance and fulfillment. The Westminster Confession says that the chief aim of mankind is to know God and to enjoy him forever. That's the ultimate for us. And so that celebrate aspect, as we see that prodigal son returning, and the father says, kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate, for my son was once lost, and now he's been found. And we just have the privilege of joining in the celebration of heaven as we worship here. I don't know if you tasted it this evening. Just joining in the celebration of heaven. All the time in heaven, they're singing, holy, holy, holy. And we get that opportunity as a corporate body to be able to sense heaven on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We get to touch that in worship, in that sea of celebrate. We did a whole series on that. And then reach, we're called to reach people with this amazing message of the gospel of good news. And then establish them in a family and they have a sense of belonging, our first E. And then we've been looking at E2 to equip them to fullness of maturity in Christ. And then deploy them in their ministry and mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that first C is the highest priority of our life. And then those next four are sequential. Those are the four steps that we want people to grow in deeper in their life. Our whole life is about that. Knowing him, becoming like him, doing what he says. And so in this Equip series, we've been talking about spiritual maturity. One of my goals here is that this church becomes one of the most spiritually mature churches in the area. Well, that sounds very arrogant, Ian. That's an arrogant claim to make. No, I don't believe it is. I think every church should have that goal. Every church should have the goal uh, that they want to see their people rise up into the fullness of the stature of who Christ is. That's what it says in Ephesians. And that should be your goal, to be the fullness of what you can be in Jesus. And so we've got some plans ahead. Some of them uh, I've shared before. Uh, plans online. We're going to be putting an academy online. That's come up, gone up already. Uh, and we're looking, and we've or started to establish a studio as well. And we've got a team being able to do that and and, and looking at the equipment. And and so we'll be able to develop materials and we'll be able to develop training and Bible study and theology and training for our teams here in the church. And that's going to be put up onto our uh, online academy. And you'll be able to all have access to that. My dream is that we can disciple people 24-7 access to material that will cause them to grow 24-7. We've been looking at... Uh, a Saturday Bible school and we've got plans ahead to be able to do that. We've been looking at this thing called Freedom Track and we've got a team already designing that so people who come into our church, they can go through the Freedom Track and they can understand what we're about as a church and put those fundamental foundations in of creed, reach, establish, equip, deploy and what that means. Some of the things that we've already been talking about in this course next week we're going to be launching a, a, a brand new system online. you're going to hear about it all next week on the, on the Sunday morning service and that's going to be a huge big plank in our equipped strategy moving forward as a church you'll be able to hear all about that as we launch that system uh, next next week and you'll be able to have access to that. but what has been the goal of this series? In fact, the goal of this series is the goal of equip itself. And I think it's the same goal of Epiphras when he spoke to the Colossians church, and you can read that in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 14. It says this that you may become mature Christians and may fulfill God's will for you. That is the goal of That is the goal that we have, is that we grow up and become mature Christians in Christ. There's no doubt when you read the Bible that it's God's will that he wants you to grow up. He wants us all to become fully mature and fully fully grown in him. If you've got your devices, I want you to highlight in that scripture that word mature and the word God's will. It's God's will that we grow in maturity. You know, we, once we were, when we became born again, as it were, we became part of the family of God. He was our, his, he's our father, and we become his children. And in the same as physical birth, when you're born into a family, there is an expectation that you grow. You grow emotionally and mentally and spiritually and physically. When I look at Daniel now, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Sarah's so glad that um, he didn't come out that size. He came out th- this size. I remember holding him for the first time in the, in the labor ward. And now when I look at him and he jumps up at me and he's so big, he's grown so much. I mean, they just grow up so quickly. And yet there is an expectation on the physical level that we grow up. And it's the same spiritually. There's so many immature Christians around and yet God is committed and it's his will that you and I grow up into the fullness of the stature of who Jesus is the Apostle Paul said it very similarly in in the uh, book in the Epistle to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4 he's talking about Jesus and what Jesus says and he says this he gave the Apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry. Let me just quickly stop there. He gave pastors, he gave teachers to do the ministry. Is that what it says? Is it pastors to do the ministry? That's not what the passage says, is it? It says that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints. For the works of ministry. For building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God's will is that through these key giftings in the church, like the pastor and like the teacher, you will be equipped to maturity. I want you to notice those two words in that passage, equipped and maturity. Our, our second E of our vision, E2, to be equipped, it's connected with maturity. It's connected with what we are becoming as people in the way that we think, in the way that we feel, in the way that we respond, in the way that we react, in the way that we operate under pressure, when we've been falsely accused, for example. How are you going to be? Are you going to be all bent out of shape and angry and annoyed and you want revenge? Or are you going to be a person like Jesus when Jesus says when he was falsely accused, he didn't open his mouth, but he entrusted himself to the one Who judges righteously. And you see, those times of testing where you feel rejected and you feel angry and you feel upset and you feel betrayed and you feel like you're stabbed in the back and you feel like they're talking behind your back. In all those times, how are we going to respond? And the way we respond shows our level of maturity. It shows our level of maturity and where we are. And when I look back and I reflect back on some of the things that I've said and some of the things that I've done, and I say, Lord, I need you to help me grow up more. I need you to do a work in my life because I'm not fully reflecting Jesus yet in those kind of situations. Paul continues in Ephesians 4 and verse 15, we are not meant to remain as children, but to grow up. In every way into Christ. So it's clear that the will of God for us is one of maturity, to grow up, to become all the fullness of what Christ is in us. So, what is spiritual maturity? What is spiritual maturity? Well, when you look back in Ephesians 4, verse 13, that was on the screen, Just another translation says it this way, in the unity of the common faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, we arrive at real maturity. The measure of development which is meant to be and by the fullness of Christ. So there's a measurement. And it's a measurement that says, how far away are we to be looking at the fullness of Jesus in my life? So there's one, I I just believe there's one phrase that sums up and defines what spiritual maturity is. And that phrase is, spiritual maturity is simply being like Christ. That's it. Full stop. Period. Being like Christ. How long will it take me to do that the whole of my life? Every step. You know, I'm not where I need to be, but I'm certainly not where I used to be. I'm just staking one more step. And hopefully I'm more like Jesus today than I was last year and the year before and the year before. And as I'm committed to this pathway of discipleship, I want him to do a work in my life. I'm hungry for the Holy Spirit to take the word of God and take the fellowship of people around me that's speaking into my life. And saying, do a work in me, Lord, and make me more like Jesus. Yes, through the pain. Yes, through the accusation. Yes, through the difficulties in, my, in, in marriage. Yes, I want you to do a work through the challenges and the trials and the pain, because I count it all joy, don't I? I count it all joy when I go through various trials, it says in James, because the maturity of my faith, it produces something on the inside of me. What is it that it produces? Christ-like maturity. So therefore, there's productivity in pain. Productivity in pain, if you respond to it. If you respond to it, if you don't react in the flesh and in anger. and, and it, But if you react, you say, Holy Spirit, do a work in me. Give me the right wisdom and the right insight because I want to become more like Jesus. That's my committed aim in my life. And through this pain and through this trial and through this endurance, I want you to make me more like your son. So that's God's goal. And not only is it God's goal for you, but it's been God's goal from the very beginning. This is what it says, Romans chapter 8. For from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him should become like his Son. There it is in eternity past, when the Trinity got together. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they had a conversation. They said, we're going to make man in our image, in our likeness. And there's Adam in the Garden of Eden at the beginning. And God looked at him and Adam and Eve and they says, this is very good. And when he made them, he made them in his image and his likeness. He says, I wanted to make you just like me. Not to be gods, but to be godly. Not to be sovereign like God, but to have godly characteristics in our lives and to develop the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, developing in our lives through the challenges of the life. If you're going to sum up the Christian life, I would probably sum it up in three sentences. If, with everything that's said and all the different ways in which we can come at it, I would summarise it like this. Knowing Jesus, becoming like Him, doing what He says. Knowing Jesus, becoming like Him, doing what He says. Knowing Jesus meets my need for intimacy and connection and belonging. Becoming like Him meets my need for significance and focus in my life and doing What he says gives me a sense of purpose about my life. My whole life is built on him. That's what it means to be a disciple, putting Christ first. So let me just share a couple of points before we finish this evening. About what a couple of key key elements to what it means to be spiritually mature. Some of the key areas around our growth as Christians. Number one, it's not automatic. In other words, you can be a Christian and you can never grow up spiritually. You can be around church for many years and not grow up spiritually. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 5. It says, you have been Christians for a long time now and you ought to be teaching others. can, Can you feel the frustration of the writer there? But instead, you need someone to teach you. When a person is still living on milk, it shows he isn't very far along in the Christian life. He's still a baby Christian. It's not automatic. It takes time. It takes effort. I can be in church all my life. I, I, I started church at the age of two weeks old when my mother brought me. I haven't left. I keep going every Sunday. I've been in church all my life. But that's not what makes me spiritually mature. And I know people who have been, have been coming along and their father's been a Christian, their grandfather's been a Christian, but it's not my family line that brings spiritual maturity into my life. It's one step At a time. It's a process. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 5 says this Learn to be mature. In 2 Peter 3, it says Continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That indicates that it's a process and it takes time and it's not instantaneous. There's no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. If I could give you a pill and you could pop it and you come out with all the full mature gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit, I'll give it to you. If I could give you a SIM card and you could download the content into your very soul and your instant Jesus, I would give it to you. But there is no shortcuts. Technology helps, of course, but there's no quick fix. Some people try and find the shortcuts. They try and find them in emotional experiences. People say if I could just get into this experience, if I could just go there, if I could just have the goosebumps in worship, if I could just lift my hands and I can just encounter God, then I can just walk out and everything will be sorted and I won't get angry anymore and I'll just have this place of mellow peace in my life. How many people know if they've been walking with Jesus, it's not not the experience. Those experiences are important. They bring you to a place of decision. You can encounter the Spirit of God and you can bring conviction and direction in your life. But that's not what brings maturity. It's that consistent walking with God as you put the habits into your life in order to be able to grow. Some people think it's some kind of secret knowledge. If I could just read that book that my mate says that he read and it changed me. If I could just get the book... If I could just get the the podcast and listen to that particular podcast. It's not the secret knowledge. It's not just the information that you're missing. It's the information you've already got that you're not using. It's not following a set of rules either. It's like if I could just follow these rules, then God will come through for me. And I'll just grow. One thing I've noticed as well. It's not... Tradition. It's not your connections. I thank God for Christian parents. I thank God that my father was a pastor, and my grandfather was a pastor, and my great grandfather was a pastor, and, and my missionaries down my mother's side of, the, of 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 her line. I thank you that I was brought. I thank the Lord. I was brought up to, to, to be taught the Bible and to know the Bible. And I saw that atmosphere in my house when my parents were committed to prayer on a regular basis. And I saw it. He was, my dad wasn't just one thing on a Sunday and then he was something else different on the Monday. It was consistency over time and it impacted my life. I thank the Lord, but one thing I knew and one of the things that my father and mother said to me, you cannot, Ian, live on our faith. You can't, it's not by osmosis that you suddenly become mature. You need to find it for yourself. You need to walk it for yourself. You need to do the work of taking hold of the word of God, renewing your mind. You've got to do the work of through the trials of life. I still put my faith in you, Lord. Though the fig tree doesn't blossom and there is no, nothing in the pens or in the... I, I'm still going to praise you despite the challenges. Now, that's maturity. As we go through the challenges and the trials of life, when we choose to put God's word first. So in all those things, the Bible says, no, it's not that. No, it's not that. It's a continued process where you learn to become mature. There's there's a lovely couple in the church, many of you know, Paul and Wendy Rowe. And Paul's a bodybuilder and he's over in Saudi Arabia at the moment working for my old company <laughs> but we had a conversation once and he was telling me about the challenge that he had to go through to win competitions as a bodybuilder it was 4:30 in the morning in the gym working out every day that got him eventually to where he was what you do daily is what you become eventually your harvest of your future is in your daily routine. And it's the habits that we put into our life that bring that level of maturity in our life. <laughs> one of the things that I enjoy, I'm, I'm letting out too many secrets here tonight. One of, one of the things that I really enjoy, I have my big big screen TV and I like watching the boxing. And I like w- watching the MMA and I like watching the UFC uh, oh that's terrible a pastor watching this I know you know I'm not a typical pastor you know that already and I would be watching it and i would be seeing this man kicking this man and punching this man I'm going go yeah go bang and my, my, my wife Sarah looks over me very disapprovingly you know a pastor should not be not be watching this but one of the things I noticed as I started to get into that world and I started to think and I started to read about some of the fighters that were in MMA, and I started noticing things. I started noticing that one of the fighters would suddenly suddenly have Philippians 4.13 right across his t-shirt. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then another fighter, after he's beaten this guy up, would say, oh, I just want to say I give glory to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm like, what's all that about? What's going on there? Tyson Fury, just lives up the road here in Morecambe, won the won the world championship in his in his bracket, and and they and after he won the world championship, the, this guy's a committed Pentecostal Christian from the Gypsy community, and 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 they stick a microphone in his in, in his face. He's still got some bruises around his face, so the other guy looks a lot worse, and and and. And they stick a microphone in his face and they says, so how did you think the fight went? And what do you think of this? And what do you think of that? And he ignored all the questions. He says, I just want to give my praise and thanks and I want to give glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm like, what's going on? And I started to notice that so many fighters were Christians and taking their walk seriously. And I came across a YouTube video By a chap uh, being interviewed by Evander Holyfield. He was three times world champion boxer. He united all the belts, undisputed heavyweight champion of his time, beat Mike Tyson at the top of his career twice. And one of, in this interview, this interview said to him, why do you think that so many Christians like yourself is attracted to this sport? And I, my ears suddenly went, psh, went up. I actually, I actually rewound the YouTube and I, I actually wrote it down and this is what was said. It says, this is what uh, Holyfield said. He says, Jesus is attractive enough, no matter what. But specifically for fighters, well... You might have to ask a pastor or a theologian for a clever answer, but for me, it's about discipline. Self-control over mind and body. Our label is called Christian, but our lifestyle is a disciple, a disciplined one. Every successful fighter must discipline their mind and body and bring it under subjection. The Bible teaches me how and why. And that I suddenly realized was if you want maturity, you have to bring those habits or disciplines into our life. 1 Timothy 4 7 says this take time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. To discipline yourself for the purposes of godliness. And in this series, we went through, we went through those four habits. If you mentioned, I'm not, not going to go through them again. But the four habits, time with, with the word of God, time in prayer, time in giving and tithe, time in fellowship. And what is a disciplined one, a disciple? It's a person, the Bible says, who takes up his cross and follows Jesus. And how long and how often do you do it? Well, the Bible says you take up your cross daily to follow Jesus. And what's involved with taking up your cross as a disciple every day and going through the disciplines, what's involved... Whatever it takes to give Christ first place in your life. Remember, I started with that story of Daniel. And God says, yeah, but I want first place in your life here. That's the disciple. That's the call to discipleship, leaving everything aside and putting him first place in your life. And that's what those four habits that we have focused on on this series was all really about. Is God number one in our lives? And each habit and how you respond to each habit determines a key aspect of whether God is first place in your life. Time spent with God means, is he first place with your time? Time spent in prayer, is he first place in your relationships? Time spent in tithe uh, and putting your tithe and offerings in, is he first place with your money? Time spent in fellowship is the first place with your service and your talent that you offer others. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 14. It says this, The purpose of giving and tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. Every one of those habits that we've mentioned in this series is about putting God first in your life. If God is first with my time, and God is first with my relationships, and God is first with my money, then he's first in every aspect of my life. But if he's not first in my relationships, and he's not first with my money, and he's not first with my time, then he's really not first in my life. And that's what the challenge of this series was all about. Does God need to say, can I get an appointment with you in your diary? Is that what God needs to do? Or are you going to say, no, I'm going to put you, Lord, first. And I'm going to be a disciple. And I'm going to be committed to maturity. Taking up my cross daily, getting into God's gym, pushing those weights developing the habits in my life because I'm committed to becoming all that Christ wants me to be. Because the more mature I am, this is a principle, church, the more mature I am, the more God can use me. That's the bottom line. The more mature I am, the more of a disciple I'm committed to putting him first, the more he can use me for his purposes. I'm going to ask the worship band to come up And as we take this next song, which is a song about laying it all on the altar, placing your whole life. The challenge for us tonight, in all that we've done in this Equip series, and, you're, and we're thinking, well, well, that's great, Ian, that's coming to an end, but so what? The so what is this. If he's not first in your life, something else or someone else will be. And whatever that is, is an idol and it will destroy us. And so I want to put the challenge to you that if you put him first place in your life as a disciple and say, I'm committed to fullness of maturity. I'm going to grow daily, every day, every day. I'm committed to putting him first within my time and with my relationships, and with my money, I'm going to study the Word of God, I'm going to ask the Spirit of God to teach me and mature me. Then you'll see, as you look back over the months and years, that God has taken you as a willing vessel, and you'll be amazed at what He does in you and through you in the months and years ahead. So my challenge for you tonight, as we sing this next song, as we place it all on the altar, I say, Lord, here I am, spirit, soul, body. I present myself as a living sacrifice, holy and available for you. That's the disciple. That's the start of becoming more like Jesus.